Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Cheese My Podcast. We're trying a new system. So let us know if it sounds better, if it looks better. Let us know because I'm testing a couple of different systems to see really what would be best for recording. So Ellie, Ellie, my cheese, my chismosa partner, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I am prepared with wine notes for you today. I went to this really cute wine shop. I'm excited to talk about that. Pour myself a little vino. Um, I have two dogs hanging out with me today that I can show you. Me too. <laughs> they're they're on their bed sleeping. Uh, oh, so Yeah, cute. <laughs> they're over there all knocked out. Dude, I'm really excited because First of all, when this podcast comes out, it's going to come out a couple days before our New York events. I'm so excited. I know. I was going to ask you about that. Are you ready? Yes and no, right? <laughs> yes, we have our panelists. And let me just say, you know how I am about really wanting representation. Mm -hmm. And we have two Latinas who are amazing, but I was like, dude, we're in New York. Like I, we need to get like more diversity when we're talking about, you know, representation in arts and fashion. Everybody was going out of town. Like we were looking at like dancers and stuff. And apparently it's touring season. So we had two different Afro-Latinos that we had reached out to and I'd reached out to somebody else in the art, like literally reached out to like four or five different people. And everybody's like, we're going to be gone that weekend or, oh, touring season has just started. So we're going to have two panelists and we are going to have Cindy Castro. She's a Latina designer for Cindy Castro NYC. And Karen Vidango, she is the social media manager for the Guggenheim. I'm really, really excited. But you know what? Before I get into that, we have not talked. Like, I am so proud of you because you did go get wine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jessica was not shame me for not having I was like, wine. You don't want me to scold you again. It's one. Okay, here's the thing. It's one thing if you just, you're like, I don't feel like drinking or you just got lazy. Like, let's, uh, let's. Oh, I literally was I was like I'm gonna go on the wine and cheese my podcast I'm gonna go on the wine and cheese and then I was like oh my god by the way today at the wine shop I was like I'm going on my friend's wine podcast <laughs> and they're like oh my god what's the name and I'm like check it out and I was like so I need some good wines actually I got an orange wine which I'm excited about yeah you know what I I realize I don't have drinks in my house that much anymore wine like I used to always have wine and I just go through phases where I kind of forget. And so I just kept, yeah, it was in a dry period, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Even I go through that where I'm like, the only time I'm drinking is maybe for a for the podcast. And then I'm not drinking any mm -hmm. other time. Um, Cause I know people probably think like I'm a total lush <laughs> <laughs> for like just drinking every day sometimes, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I am having a glass of wine every night. 
I'm not having a yeah. bottle every night, but what are you, so what did you end up picking out for tonight? So I got an orange wine. Have you ever had an orange wine? I have. And actually they have like this, they have orange wine at this uh, wine bar. Usually they have an orange wine. This wine bar, uh, literally a couple blocks away from me. So when you actually get your booty down to San Diego, I'll take you. Yes. <laughs> Well, when your event is coming, your next event coming up, not your next one, but yeah, your last one, I guess, on the tour. Yeah. Um, yes. So I've been trying orange wine. I've had friends that have had it and I'm like, oh, this is really nice because sometimes white is like a little too, I don't know, light. This is kind of interesting and unusual. What it has a different texture, I feel. It's called Tropical by Sete. I got, it's actually so cute. I'll show you the little label that they have. They handwrite on these bottles to kind oh, of explain nice. them. And they give you some notes. It's uh-huh. called Flask and Field, this natural wine shop in downtown LA. So the wine is Sete Tropical from Lazio, Italy, Moscato grapes, Serbiano, uh, light-bodied, natural. The vibe, new outfit, matching set, bucket hat, dad <laughs> grass joints, and Javier <laughs> chips, good vibes only. I was just like... So it sounds like a so Venice cute. dad. Is that what they're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was so cute and funny. And I, I had picked up something else too. And yeah, I was like, this is just too cute. So yeah, I'm going to pour myself that. So I'll have to take you here next time. Yes. Well, now, you know, because obviously going to New York, I didn't have time to go over there. But I'm drinking Herencia del Valle. They're 2014 Cabernet is what I'm drinking. I like that bottle. Yes. This is their daughter dancing. How cool is that? Oh, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, it's their daughter dancing. So, but I, and I did pour myself a heavy pour because girl, you know, sometimes it's one of those things that a girl goes through. (laughs) (laughs) That two girls are going through. (laughs) Yes. So true. But that is really good. Oh, I love this cab. I just needed something nice and heavy tonight because, you know. Okay, so back to to New York. Logistically, we're set, right? Logistically, we have the Vintners. We have a new venue. We have, yeah, we ended up having to get a new venue because, okay, so what happened was we were going to do it in um, Washington Heights, at a hotel in Washington Heights. We were so stoked. They were going to partner with us, so we weren't going to have to pay And then, and we had said up front, like we wanted to bring in our own wine because it's really highlighting these Latino wine brands. And we wanted to bring in a great, like we're not going to do a grazing table. We're going to do cups with cheese and charcuterie this time. And we wanted to bring Mm -hmm. in these cones with cheese and charcuterie. And at first they said, okay, literally they're like, oh, and, and then my team was just kind of waiting on it. And then. They said yes, and then she sent over, okay, like questions for logistics, and literally within a few hours, they're like, never mind. And apparently, they initially said yes, and then they said, well, now we want you to buy our food and wine. And then that just, so that kind of just defeated the whole purpose, you know, and we were going to have to be outside, and thank goodness, because now looking at the weather in New York, like, there's a chance of rain. It's when I go in Monday, but you know, even even a thirty percent chance of rain or twenty percent, like still, there's a chance of rain. And there was no Plan B, so we ended up getting a gallery in Chinatown called G Gallery. 
So super excited about that. Like we're, we're having a Cindy Castro is doing a pop-up shop there. She's going to dress me. So I'm so excited. She has some beautiful, amazing designs. So I'm so excited to see what she decides, like what she picks out. That's so fun. Have you been dressed before? Well, for the Dallas one, Cadena Collective, like they brought a couple of options, but I ended up just going with the um, bustier with like some shorts that I already had. So I'm actually going to be taking that, but I'm going to wear it with like a long sleeve shirt underneath and some flowy pants because I'm... Girl, I'm trying to be like all fashionable while I'm in New York. (laughs) Love it. So like logistically, yes. Mentally, I'm freaking out. And I do this every event. Like mentally, I'm freaking out because leading up to it's always like little bits of tickets being purchased. Everybody always buys the tickets the last week. That's what always Mm -hmm. happens. The last week leading up to it, we get a rush of people purchasing tickets. But honestly, I just, I'm so on edge and I have so much anxiety. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, I have so much anxiety going, oh my gosh, what if people don't come? What if people like, what if we have 10 people who, you know, I mean, I start thinking all of these things because you want people to, you know, I mean, New York is one of my highest, like it's really San Diego and New York or and, and Dallas or Texas really are one of my highest listened listen to cities. And I've had a lot of guests from New York. Like, like I said, that anxiety of until the yeah. day, and then the day comes and then I'm like, well, it's out of my hands. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. It is what it is. Okay. But up until that date, I am completely freaking out. So that's where I'm at right now. So that's why I say I'm kind of ready and I'm kind of not like I'm ready logistically, emotionally, I am very unstable. (laughs) I mean, that's like never going to change that, you know, event stress of like day of like who's going to show up. I know. Who's literally going to show up. You know, it's great that you you know, you do sell your tickets. So I feel like people want to show up when they're, when they're purchasing a ticket or if they're getting the bag or if they're going with a friend, I feel like, I don't know. I'm really curious how New York goes. Cause I feel like New York is just so easy to get around. Yeah. I hope so because I'm just super excited because we have, you know, we do have three vintners, but they're all from different States. So we have a California vintner. We have say Solis from Lodi. We have a Washington vintner or I mean, a Oregon Vintner with Gonzalez Wine Company. And then we're going to have our GNY, who's from New York, who's out of the um, North Fork of Long Island. So it's going to be really cool having like three, because they might send some very similar wine, but you get to see how different they taste, right? I'm not sure what wines they're sending, so, but I'm really, really excited. The anxiety always lies in like, okay, I have to let by... Like Monday, I need to let my girl know how many cones she should be making. Okay. now okay. And then I'm like, okay, I always know people are last minute. So how many should I have her make? So you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's kind of all those, those little things. So I'm just trying to like breathe through it right. and, and be okay. Because like I said, I know this happens every single, like mm-hmm. this happened in LA. This happened in Dallas. <laughs> like... It, it's yeah. just what they happens. were all great successful events right so yeah 
So yeah, I'm really excited for that. But you know, September girl, like September has been a crazy month, celebrity wise, just things happening wise. Um, you know, we are in the midst of Latine Hispanic Heritage Month, which you know we know in our world it's that's every day. It's not just one day. <laughs> exactly. But there's been some fun stuff and there has. And, you know, it's, you know, hey, if you hear this before Saturday, before the September 30th, like what better way? And you're in the tri-state area. What better way to celebrate Latine Hispanic Heritage Month than come and and seeing and supporting a bunch of Latinas, um, Latina mm-hmm. businesses. We have. Oh my gosh, like even the in-kind sponsors are for Agua Bonita. They're sponsoring water. Oh, that's awesome. You know, we're going to have regular water, but they've sponsored with their Agua Frescas or Can Agua Frescas. We have... Rizos Curls. Rizos Curls, of course, because you guys know how much I love my Rizos Curls. <laughs> uh, we have IL-45. They're doing um, candles. We have Dr. Bay's <laughs> Natural Soap. Um, we, yeah, we have... Um, Vivek Cosmetics, and then we have House of Hefa who has donated earrings. So we have like a really robust, and then we have a couple of extra goodies that we had. So we have a pretty good gift bag. I mean, the VIP ticket's only $60. And if you add up everything, it's the gift bag is easily over $100, worth over $100. Definitely. Yeah. And they get to be in community. I think that's the best part about events. Like I miss events so much like it's harder here in LA, you know, just to kind of get around. But I, that's what I miss in New York too, is like being able to be in community with people, finding like-minded people, like-minded people of color, all the panelists are really cool. And I feel like they all have their own amazing communities and it's just fun. Like seeing, like you're seeing a live show. Yeah, totally. I'm super excited by the way. And we're having a live performance. Uh, Jazzy Amina. So we're having a musical performance as well. Um, speaking of can, what, What's up with the earrings? I love those. <laughs> oh, thank you. Those are so cute. Thanks. I've had them for a while. I actually don't remember. Oh, um, I was like, okay, well, if they go missing next time I visit you, I didn't take them. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, girl, you want to wear these earrings? Yeah, they're kind of like this brass. Like they look kind of, um, I don't know how to really explain it, but. Um, yeah, I've had them for a while and hopefully they don't fall off because the backs like to fall off of them. But okay, well, now we can get into like their chisme chisme because I mean, that's just what we do, anyways. I don't even know where to start because there's so much that happened in September. Like, mm-hmm. there were so many um, divorces. Like, we were just talking about all these divorces in August. Like, 2023 is the summer of celebrity divorces or what? Like, this is crazy. You have. Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, Hugh Jackman and his wife after 27 years. And I feel like I was just reading an article about Hugh Jackman and his relationship and they've been together forever. I swear I was just reading that and I didn't even know her or know that much about him, but I was hearing it in an interview. And so it's interesting to see that come out. Yeah. Um, Then you have Jeezy and Jeannie Mai and that's starting to get a little ugly and it's kind of interesting because you have people saying, okay, tell me, because neither of them have said anything. Neither of them have made a statement. Neither one, like, I guess Jeezy had put something on Instagram 
about like he doesn't have time to move on with people who don't want move with them or I don't know something some I forget what the exact thing was. Yeah. But people were like reaching, okay, this is the kind this is the where we are in this world. Apparently she has very good chemistry, hosting chemistry with Mario Lopez. Mm. And people were like and then he had their daughter and kissed the daughter on the cheek. Okay, that's a Latino thing. Like, we all, you know. Yeah. I met a friend's baby the first time yesterday. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And kissing on yeah. it. So, and they're like, I would not let my, like, somebody kiss my baby like that. And I'm like, that's a Latino thing. Like, we're huggers and yeah. kissers. And just because she has, like, good on-air chemistry with somebody, now, all of a sudden, they're cheating. Like, I'm not saying they're not, but I'm not saying they are. Like, what, that's a reach. Right. Honestly, I mean, I haven't followed them for a long time, but it is, I don't know. It's just really funny. Like, I know we talked about this the last time, but it's like how people use, like, publicity and no one ever really knows what's going on. But I list, literally, like, I remember hearing a whole podcast about her talking about her relationship, about having a kid, because she said she never wanted kids, and then she ended up having one with him. And I remember her kind of talking about that, which, you know, I feel like we've talked about this too, like years perked up because you don't often hear women talk about like, I don't, you know, I've decided I never want children. Like I want to be child free. And then it's also really confusing when you hear them say, oh, but then like, I changed my, you know, I changed my mind and decided to do it. And they talk about the reasons. So I just remember, like I heard this whole podcast episode with her and Shan um, Booty, Boudram and that's kind of what I'm thinking about because she talked a lot about him and she had so many good things to say. That was probably like two years ago. Yeah. And then people are like saying, well, he filed, so she must have did something wrong. And it, like I said, it's like, we don't know, but oh my God, you know how many lives I have seen on TikTok of yeah. people trying to dissect this? Neither one of them have, have said anything. And I'm like, man, the things that we reach for just based on our own experience. And we're like, well, then it must be this with them. Oh, Lordy girl. I was like, I just roll my eyes at it because, you know, I think that both of them are doing a good thing just as uh, publicity wise about not really saying anything, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe what if they end up like. Right, re- reconciling. Who knows? Because we've seen other people file for divorce or separation and then end up getting back together. But actually, that kind of leads me to this next thing in regards to expectations. And I'm gonna, we'll go back to the. Actually, we'll finish the divorces. So, because <laughs> I'm thinking of like just just remind me to talk about the cake smash, face smash, and the cake thing. Don't let me forget okay. that. Okay. Okay. So like Joe Jonas. And so I really thought, look, I am I'm a pop culture person. I love pop culture. I like, you know, I don't spend all my time in it, but I will read it like I'll, you know, or I'll, and I'll watch stuff, but not all my time. <laughs> but everything I really thought like Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner were I it shocked me when they filed for divorce. But now, like just like, I guess today, within the last 24 hours or so, it's gotten very contentious because mm. we're recording this on a Friday, so it can be posted on Wednesday. But it's been very contentious because the last few months he's been on tour. He's had the kids with them. She's been filming in the UK. And who knows? Again, who knows what the agreement was? Who knows? Whatever, whatever. But apparently now she's saying that he's holding that she has the kids right now. 
but she's saying she's that he's holding the kids not hostage. There was another word that he was using because she said that he won't give her the passports. She said that they had agreed for the for the kids to be in the UK, and he said. No, we agreed for the kids to be here. And he filed in Florida. And apparently through the court order, they can't leave the country. So there's like this big thing. And so, again, I don't know enough about each thing. I know, but I do know that initially Joe Jonas was coming out and kind of, it wasn't maybe him, but people, right? We know how that works. People coming out with unflattering stories about Sophie Turner. And it completely turned on him from a PR aspect, like completely turned on him because people were like, oh, he's sleazy now. He's like, he went from being really beloved, I think, yeah, to like, people were like, oh, what a sleazy dude, what this, what that, let it. I mean, it's, I think people have to be really careful when you're, I mean, I was never, I've never been a celebrity publicist. Thank goodness. <laughs> That's too much for me. Would you ever want to do stressful. that? No, I mean- I will say, like, actually, when I started out doing PR, my initial, like, literally internship was with a guy who was basically like a gossip columnist, <laughs> like, really great. So there was a lot of the drama. Did he he have literally a, like a certain website. No, he wrote for. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting now. This this is like old school stuff. This guy was like in his 70s or something oh, okay. back then. So he was like in his youth, friends with Andy Warhol, like very much like you know, New York City scene, culture, arts. Like so an army hilarious. archer type of guy, something like that. Yeah, like he he would call up, you know, people from like the New York Post to tell them like gossip. Like, so we kind of were in that world a little bit, but it wasn't like massive Hollywood stars. It was like celebrity chefs, opening restaurants, opening, opening food trucks, stuff like that. It would be stuff like, oh, uh, whatever Nikki Hilton or something is gonna is gonna stop by Manhattan. Let's like get her to come to this bar, get a picture, and then in the paper say that she was there for publicity for the bar, Got like it. stuff like that. They were out New York housewives, stuff like that. So it was a little bit in that world. So I feel like that is where I got a little bit of that taste of like, oh, this is all orchestrated behind the scenes, and everyone's getting a little bit of money <laughs> for everything, like oh, they're going to come here, take a photo of them or like put this in the paper. And so um, all that to say, yes, I left that world and I got into the tech space. So it is. I, I had a taste of that. It's crazy. Yeah, no. I think when I was younger, I wanted to do that. And then I remember, like, I remember the big celebrity publicist was Lizzie Kaplan way back in the day. Yep. And then she had that big scandal from like in the Hamptons. Okay. Like I think <laughs> we're totally aging ourselves, but also like most of my listeners are our age, but they may not know this. And this is where we nerd out about PR. And she had that like scandal when she was in the Hamptons, like running it over, like not literally running over people, but like running into people with her car. And there was like all this thing. And I think that was kind of like her, her downfall for a little bit, but mm-hmm. um so there was this time, but then as I got, like I said, cause I've always been like a pop culture girly. Then there came a time where I was like, Oh no, I want nothing to do in that world in that way, because there is so much pressure on you to be able to spin things the right way. And I'm the type of person, like I have to be able to kind of drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Right. Same here. 
if I can't, then I feel like I cannot appropriately do my job if I don't believe in it. Right. I also want people to listen to my expertise. (laughs) And so a lot of times you're just cleaning up people's mess over and over. And, you know, it's like, no, don't, let's not say that. Or you don't need to lie about that. It's not necessary. Or like, let's just talk about it in this way. And if people are just going to do what they want, then obviously that affects us because we're having to clean up things when we're like, I don't think this should have happened. And that's, yeah, that's what happens so much in the celebrity world. That's what's happening with all these divorces. I mean, like the Hugh Jackman thing is already kind of because they gave their statement and their kids are grown. So there's not going to be any like custody. There's not going to be so as of right now, I mean, you're not right now. The the biggest things that you're hearing about are Joe Jonas or Turner. You're still hearing about Kevin Costner and his ex because that's getting very contentious. And then still I, Jeannie I, Mai I and Jeezy. Um, Joe Jonas, where he was seen without the ring and then he put the ring back on when people were talking. Yeah. I saw all of that. Last time. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. It's like, oh, my. What, just until you're ready, Joe, you know, I feel like. People are watching you like a Hawkeye these days when you're a celebrity. If you don't want people to talk, just keep things as copacetic as possible until you're really, truly ready for that. Like, you know, if you go out without your ring, people are going to talk. Can we just calm down people? (laughs) You lose it. If you may misplace it, tell your assistant to find you one that looks the same. Yeah. (laughs) Even if it it doesn't, same color. I mean, geez Louise, something. Ay, ay, ay. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. So there was this, I'm sure it was on Reddit, made its way to TikTok. That's where I found it. They were even talking about it on the Today Show this last week. But if you and Owen got married, would you be okay with him smashing cake or cupcake in your face on your wedding day? No. Ditto. (laughs) And because I do, well, okay, because it was this story of this woman who had told her fiance, do not smash the cake in my face. Do not like, apparently she had a traumatic experience with that with her family before and ended up getting like a big old gash in her forehead or her mouth or something because like there was something in the cake. It's, you know, so she and her, and her family apparently has this propensity to embarrass each other and everything. And she was trying to like leave that behind. So she kept telling him, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't think it's funny. I won't. He did it. Smashed the cake in her face. Immediately she left and filed for divorce like the next, within like the next day. Wow. It is disrespectful. I mean, if you both have the understanding of, okay, this is funny. This is cute. We're going to do it. Right. If you're literally saying, do not do it. I'm traumatized by this. Do not do it. And your partner does it anyways. Like how much respect does that show that your partner has for you? Right. And love. You should want to make them feel great, not be hurtful. Yeah. And who want, like what woman want, you're spending money on your hair, your makeup, makeup, your dress, all of these things just for a cake to be smashed in your face. Like I asked my mom if my dad did it and she said, oh, a little bit, but like he was going to like pretending he was going to, but he didn't. And I already told Antonio, I'm like, (laughs) you don't want to know what would happen if he did that. Right. (laughs) You're like, 
you will end up in this cake. Yeah. I mean, divorce <laughs> would be divorce would be the least of your problems. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to threaten them. Oh my God, I can't believe I said that, but. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but seriously, who wants, like, yeah, I mean, it's one thing if you both, again, if you both decide, yeah, it'll be funny, let's do that. That's cool. But if if you're, if one of you, if even one of you is saying, no, let's, I don't want to do it. We're not going to, I don't want to do it. That should be all it takes. Like they shouldn't have to continue to say it over and over. Like, I fully believe, like, we're not going to do um, a full cake. We're going to do cupcakes instead because I'm not a big cake person. And, yeah, I, I just feel like it's just easier. And we can do yeah. different flavors, whatever. But if he just did a little bit, like, on my – if it was just, like, around my lips, okay, I could fix yeah. my lipstick, right? But if he fully smashed a cupcake in my face, girl, I would be every Latina pissy <laughs> stereotype there is would come out. Like major, yeah. <laughs> it would be. He's like, scared. He's not he wouldn't do that. <laughs> he wouldn't do that to me. I know. And if he's watching or listening, baby, you better not do that. Just saying. <laughs> he's like, don't worry. Nowhere near. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's so sad what people will do to just be hurtful. I'm like, you just don't need to do it. I know. Well, going we'll from right like respecting boundaries. There's a recent beef between Halle Berry and Drake. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, so apparently Drake has used Halle Berry's photo to promote a single that he did. It's called Slime You Out. And she mm-hmm. he reached out to her. I know it's like an AP photo or a Getty photo or something like that. But he still reached out to her and asked if she could if he could use that photo of her. And she said no, I don't want that photo of me to be used in that way because she had not heard the song. She didn't know what it was about. Like, she does not know how it's going to be used. So she said no, and he did it anyways. And then she called him out on it. There was some back and forth. And then somebody said, well, you don't own that image. It's like, I think maybe a Getty image or something like that. And then somebody's like, but that's not the point. He asked her, she said, no. Why are you even asking at that point? That's just showing disrespect. And she was like, exactly. So what do you feel like that? Like we just went from these, you know, obviously people in marriages have boundaries and who knows what's happening in these celebrity marriages to the boundary of that. Now this is a new boundary of people who may not necessarily truly know each other. They're probably just know each other in passing and met at different events or, or award shows. He reaches out, she says no. And he's like, well, you don't own the image anyways. I'm going to do it. How are you feeling about that? I think it's strange. I, I don't know why he would ask and then disrespect respectfully just post it. I I looked into it because I was wondering, well, why did he want to use that photo? I looked at the photo. The photo itself is pretty innocent. I was wondering if he was trying to, it had like a dirty connotation because she's kind of like dripping in green slime. Yeah, she was slimed at the kids' choice, Nickelodeon kids' choice. Yeah, yeah. So the video, the photo itself is like fine. Like I don't see a problem with the photo. So I'm, I'm wondering, well, maybe the lyrics are dirty. I, I even looked at the lyrics with SZA. I, they were talking about like past relationships. I honestly don't even understand the song. So I just think that maybe if he would have just used it, it was just for Instagram. He only used it 
to like announce the single in yeah. an Instagram post and pretend like it was like the cover of an album. And so I just wonder like, why did you, why, why don't you just post it then? Yeah. Cause everybody's obsessed with Holly Berry. All these rappers talk about Holly Berry, you know, like we know her, she's like iconic. She's gorgeous. So I don't think it's unusual for people to use a photo of her. So, so I'm you like, think you should have asked for forgiveness, not for permission. Yeah. I don't think she would have been, I mean, it's more annoying if somebody asks you, oh, can I use this photo of you? And you say, actually, I'd prefer you didn't. And then you use it anyway, rather than you just do it. And they're like, oh, I mean, okay, that's interesting that you use that. Again, it's a public image or, or an image that photographers own from a big event. The image is not disrespectful. It's not like she's like naked or some weird scene from a movie. Like it's a safe image. Yeah. So it's just weird. <laughs> Like you said, boundaries, like don't ask somebody for permission to try to go about it in a kind way. And then you do it anyway. Now you've burned the relationship with her. And she's publicly telling people in the comments, like, fuck that. He asked me. Yeah. <laughs> like, he asked me, you know, no. I'm going to say I'm going to and people may not agree with me. I feel like Drake is kind of continuing. He's such a Yeah. Oh, total chismoso. I feel but I feel like there's a lot of look, we're talking about all these things in, in regards to like one thing we didn't really mention was Bijou Phillips divorcing Danny Masterson. He was recently convicted of essay and got like 30 years in prison. I believe, I believe she did it not because she thinks that she should divorce him, but money because obviously additional lawsuits come in or whatever, like civil lawsuits come in. She doesn't want to be connected to that whatever. I, I don't want to give him more air in this thing, but the reason I'm bringing that up is because there's been a lot of, apparently over the last few years, there was a lot of murmuring about Danny Masterson and what he had done. But I feel over the last several years, there's been a lot of murmuring about Drake and his behavior and his reaching out to young girls in Hollywood and having friendships with these young girls in Hollywood when he's, you know, in his when he's in his late twenties and now in his thirties, do you really want to like be that person known for the, for continually disrespecting women and young girls or, or using them? Cause I feel like there has been this kind of murmuring under for a while now, and nobody has fully called him out on it. And how, now you have Holly Berry saying like, this is bullshit. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how much I've heard of him with, I guess I have heard about him with younger women, maybe not in a while. Actually, when I was looking into the lyrics of that song, he does it. The song is with SZA and apparently they dated in the past, which I must have missed it. Really? Oh, I missed that too. They dated in the past and um, I was looking into it because I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that they dated, but I think it was so long ago. And then somebody apparently in another song, this is the first song they did together however many years after they supposedly dated or she confirmed it. And back then he had included her in some song, something mentioning about them having dated. And he mentioned like a year that they dated. I think it was like 2008. I think that she was underage at that point. So she came out publicly and she was like, oh, by the way, like we didn't date in 2008. We dated in 2009 just so, and nobody thinks there's any funny business. So I think that's interesting because I actually don't even remember these allegations or yeah. like about Drake with younger women. Well, or maybe I remember I have- when he was like, when Millie Bobby Brown had talked about, oh yeah, I'm friends with oh, Drake. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's right. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then with the whole Rihanna thing, like how obsessed he was with her. And she was very much like, "Mm, no. And he just would not give up. I think it shows that it shows, unfortunately, impressionable young men that along with Kanye, right? And the way his antics are, Mm -hmm. if they were not celebrities, like they would be like, well, and I'm not saying Drake is as over the top as Kanye is, but if Kanye wasn't a celebrity, he would have been put in jail for stalking. And I'm Mm -hmm. not a Kardashian fan. I'm not a Kardashian fan, but just the way he was acting was crazy. And, oh, that's a whole other thing of him and (laughs) his apparent wife. Apparently she was, uh, I mean, we can say it because we can, apparently she was giving him a blowjob on a boat in Italy. (laughs) And did you not know this? <laughs> so you were really good at the cheese. I really good at the cheese. He was on a boat, and then you see him stand up, and he like his bare nalgas are out, and he's pulling up his pants. I'm sorry, I could go my entire life without seeing Kanye's nalgas. I truly can. Oh and apparently, oh then God. the boat company has um, banned them for life. And like he, now he's like. Yeah, Italian, the Italian government, the Italian authorities are looking into like what he did to possibly press charges. Oh my God. That kind of surprises me about Italy. (laughs) I don't know why. I just, I just feel like, you know, I kind of feel like right now, if you're a United States citizen and you're like, we have this, you know, reputation and well-deserved of being an idiot traveling internationally. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously many people don't. Many people are very respectful, but it's always those bad apples that kind of ruin it for everybody, right? And I feel like right now internationally, like those governments are just like, we are sick of these stupid Americans. (laughs) Yeah. And if they're going to do something, we're going to prosecute. Yeah, they're like, we're just done with their antics. I guess I just picture like all over Europe, people being topless and beaches and doing whatever. And well, doing beaches crazy is stuff. one thing when you're tra- when you're like in the freaking. I Where were they in uh, Venice? When you're in Venice on a boat, I don't know if it was Venice. I'm just saying it's Venice. I don't know. Yeah. But in like where anybody can see, like obviously people can just be like this looking at you and. Yeah. Like. I just find it, in his particular case, I just find it really interesting that he was, again, and I'm saying this not as a Kardashian fan, I'm just not a Kardashian fan, but I do remember seeing clips, and I don't even watch the show, but I do remember seeing clips of him telling Kim Kardashian she's too sexy, she's this and she's that, and she's like, you made me this. And you now that you're on a different path, but I feel like he's doing the same thing with his new... They're not legally married, but he calls her his wife. They're not legally married, but doing the same thing because she goes out wearing like naked stuff that she was wearing with just a pillow, holding a pillow in front of her because basically she's naked, like waking, like wearing a body stocking. So I think there's definitely an element when we're talking about somebody like Kanye and somebody like Drake, and we know Kanye has mental health issues and everything like that, but there's a common thread and they are friends. They do, you know, there have been ups and downs, but as of right now, I believe that they're on friendly terms of an element of control, control mm-hmm. when it comes to women, because why would you 
in Drake's case, you're asking, but you don't care what that, what the answer is because you want to do what you want to do and right. you, and you want to control that. And I almost feel like there's that a, a very thin thread connecting that in regards to Kanye. Kanye needs to be in control of everything. If he's not, then I think there's an elevated state of mind that happens in that, in that, you know, when he's not getting maybe a man, maybe that turns him manic. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know his condition. Let me just very like right. say, but I just feel like there's this thread of, of control and control, particularly when it comes to women, when it comes to men like this. Yeah. That's the scary thing because, um, you know, they go unchecked as well and then things can continue to escalate. So I was thinking about what you said before with, um, that whole Denny Matherson situation and like something that had, um, happened as well was that I actually was not paying attention to that in the news. But when I had um, heard about it again was when uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, that's something it was like her, their statement defending him went public and they were not expecting that. So they spent all of this time like putting together this video and everyone was like, really, you're defending this guy. And then women started coming out talking about them. And then what I was reminded was that Amelia Kunis, when she was on that 70s show with all of them, she was like 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And so they had her in a situation where obviously she ended up dating Ashton Kutcher and people were showing, playing this video. I don't know if you ever saw it, but she was at an interview with, oh my gosh, I don't even know who it was. If it was, um, not Jimmy Fallon, like one of the, one of the nighttime talk shows, cause it was so long ago. Um, but basically she had said like, Oh, haha, like you and Danny, do you remember you guys had a bet about you kissing me with tongue? It was going to be my first kiss ever. And she was only like, she was underage. Yeah. You know, she might've been. I do remember, I don't remember that video. I haven't seen that video, but I do remember her saying she lied about her age that she said she was 18 when she wasn't 18 or was about to turn 18 when she auditioned that they Mm -hmm. didn't know until after they had offered her the part that she was the age, but they loved her so much. They kept her in that. Yeah. And she does share that. Yeah. They still knew after though, that she was, and he was, I think 19, 18, like he was still a teenager. He wasn't in his twenties, but I think he was like 18, 19. Mm -hmm. And, I, I do also remember, and again, I'm only remembering, sir, I mean, you put it all together, I'm sure you get a full picture, but I do remember her saying at first he didn't want to kiss her because he thought it was weird because she was so young and he didn't want to kiss her and that she was like, no, it's okay. It's our job and blah, blah, blah. But again, sometimes we rewrite history so it doesn't, you know what I mean? I don't believe they, they, I don't believe they dated at all during the show. It was afterwards. But Mm -hmm. it's still like, if that's the case, if they were like making a bet, that's freaking disgusting, regardless of age, regardless of age, that's uh, two men making a bet to see who's going to kiss, you know, a woman. And in this case, a young girl first, that's what the hell is going on? Well, the bet, the bet was basically that he had to kiss her because he was her boyfriend in real life. It was going to be her first kiss ever because she was so young and they all knew that. And so Danny was telling Ashton, I will give you whatever, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is, if you kiss her with tongue, like sneak tongue in, not just like a little kiss. So even creepier. And so they were joking about it. It was like Ashton and Mila on this show, like in this interview. And she was like, ha ha ha. And they made a bet. Yeah, you made the bet. You made the bet. 
And he's like, well, I won the bet. And he's like, she's like, you didn't try. You didn't really try. She's like, I moved my face. So you didn't even do it. Like you didn't have a chance. So everyone was like, yeah, don't forget this video came out. This happened because they're going to pretend and like rewrite history. Yeah. I'm sure for her too. Like she probably doesn't want to remember things that way. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime, especially now this is her husband. This is who she has kids with. This is who she loves. But, you know, anytime I feel like we're at an age, we're in this digital age of media where people like the receipts are very easy to come by these days. People do not hesitate to bring them up, right? Even in this Jeannie Mai, Jeezy divorce, they were talking about something that she said while she was on the talk about black men being like, she preferred white men over black men, basically. Like they were the side dish, something to that effect. Not to say that people can't change, but people, they, again, they come out with their seats. They will dig and they will find anything you know, when you have this power, when you have this celebrity, that you have a responsibility. Unfortunately, there's just so many people who are not taking responsibility for the things that they're doing, and they're using this power to manipulate. Um, and it tends to be, and it's not exclusively men, but it tends to be men because the men significantly outweigh women in power in not just Hollywood, but in most industries. Mm-hmm. So um, we have to keep people's feet to the fire. I mean, if we don't, nothing will ever change. But then we all, like, there's just a whole system, right, that has to be broken down and kind of rebuilt. But, you know, speaking of doing the right thing, you know, as the strike continues, the WGA strike and the sag after strike, you know, initially Drew Barrymore had come out and said that she was going to come, that she was, her show was going to come back. And she was one of the first celebrities to support the WGA strike because she pulled out of the MTV uh, movie awards, MTV movie and TV awards, but then said, oh, I'm coming back. And then she did this video. I'm taking responsibility. It's bigger than me, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, she was immediately dropped by the National Book Awards saying like, well, we're this is about writers and blah, blah, blah. And if she's not in the sport, then she did a 180 and said, we're going to wait until the strike is done. So once she did that, I think the talk is now holding off Jennifer Hudson. Like they had were previously announced they were coming back. They are not. Kelly Clarkson, Queen Kelly never said anything. So she's not in the news cycle, right? She's not in the news cycle because she was just like not saying anything at all. So Nobody knows if she was planning to or not because she didn't say anything. And now I'm sure she's not, if, even if she was. Right. You know, when we were talking about the Halle Berry thing, right, of she didn't know how her image was going to be used. What is it associated with? That's so similar into what, like, these actors are talking about, like, this use of AI. And I know AI wasn't used in her case, but just mm-hmm. the fact that you don't know how your image is going to be used, if it's something that would you actually take this acting role or not? Or now, or now your image is just being used to be in a vulgar, what if it's a vulgar movie or what if it's something completely again, like you would never accept. Right. And now these people have your image and can do whatever they want with it. So apparently there's some movement. Uh, there's, I guess, opening up to talks, the AMPTP, who is the like producers guild or whatever, there's a handful of them that I guess some of the smaller production companies are like, we want to 
uh, work something out. And then you have a handful like Warner Brothers, Disney, Discovery, you know. Well, check this out. Yeah, it's the Warner Brothers or Discovery. So this (laughs) is apparently he thinks we're idiots, the CFO, because now they're saying that Max, formerly uh, HBO Max, now mm-hmm. he's saying that Max must get even more expensive because content was being given away. Now, they already had several tiers of, they had like a $9.99, a $14.99, and a $19.99. I think $19.99 a month got you everything, whatever, whatever. How that is being given away, I have no idea. Right. Right. They just had this massive, we talked about the Barbie movie a couple months ago. That's a, that's a Warner Brothers movie and it made over a billion dollars and is still, you know, their CFO is basically telling, he said, he told the crowd that there is a, from the Hollywood Reporter gathered at the Bank of America Securities Media and Entertainment Conference that for a decade in streaming, an enormously valuable amount of quality content has been given away well below fair market value. So- I'm just like, oh my gosh. First of all, we used to only have a couple of streaming services. Now everybody has streaming services. You have Max, you have Peacock, you have Hulu, you have Disney, you have still Netflix. Like you have all of these and they're all branching out. Like the whole point was, right? People started cutting cords so they could get these streaming services. And now if you have all of these streaming services, you're paying way more than you would pay for cable. I wanted to ask you, which ones do you have? Okay, I'll tell you which ones I pay for. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, don't come for me. (laughs) I have, uh, so I did, I have Sling, which is like live TV, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I have Sling and Netflix. I think those are the two I pay for. And then my fiance, we're in the same household. He pays for the Hulu and the Disney, like that bundle, right? The Hulu okay. Disney bundle. I have Max. I think I basically have all of them, but <laughs> <laughs> but I in particular pay for Netflix and Sling. Okay. So when it's when it's divvied up like that, it doesn't feel because we also me and my fiance have separate accounts. So they come out of our separate accounts. So I right. feel like it doesn't feel like it hits as hard, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if I was paying for all of them. Yeah. I was thinking about this as well because I was trying to remember what I have and I was like, "Oh, there's actually one that I have floating that I need to cancel." <laughs> oh, I wait, I do have I do have Paramount Plus because I want that's Football. I get to watch my football games because so football season is here. (laughs) I don't know. You don't give a crap, but I do. (laughs) And so uh, I do pay for Paramount Plus. And and that's because the AFC plays on CBS and the NFC tends to play on Fox. And so... Since I'm a Chargers fan, yes, I'm still a Chargers fan. But if a different team came to San Diego, I'd probably jump that real quick. Like I'm about (laughs) so I can watch my Charger games on there. Okay, there's a juicy show that I watched. Watched. I don't even watch anymore on Paramount Plus. That um, I don't know if you'd be into this, but it's called Couples Therapy. 
And it's literally, it's incredible. It's basically like reality show, documentary. Is it a I would reality say doc- show? Well, they call it documentary, but I say reality show because it's true. It's real couples. So basically they have this incredible therapist that they Is that you chose- beeping? That was your note edit. <laughs> Oh. Up on <laughs> because I put my stuff on do not disturb. <laughs> I was like, um, so yeah, so I don't know if you hear this dog. He is just very dramatic. Let me try to show him to you guys. He's just so dramatic. Where's Ra- Rascal? Rascal. That's your foster dog. dog. Yeah, my foster dog. Rascal. Good thing you're not wearing anything crazy because you're like just- <laughs> You're just, just like pointing the camera at your chest. <laughs> Everything's covered, guys. And I got pants on. Uh-huh. Yeah, my dog Zelda's back there. He, sorry, he walked over in here and he just like slammed himself under me. So it, it felt really loud to me. But oh, no, I didn't even hear anything. No, it's, you know, this whole thing, it's just anyway. been so um, crazy with all of the different services and stuff like that. Like, I don't get, I don't think I get MTV. I think I get like pop hits or something like that. But I, the MTV Video Awards were recently on and I recorded it because it was the first time in forever. I was like, oh my gosh, I know so many people that are going to be performing because lately, yeah, so it was, but it was on like BET and another channel. So I was able to record it from that, but oh my gosh, like it felt like, it's so crazy. I love it. And then I kind of don't know how I feel about, I love the fact that so many people are embracing Latino artists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Shakira has been around for a long time, obviously. Um, Carol G, Becky G, you know, the G girls, you know, even Selena Gomez, obviously she's, she's really embracing her Latinidad. Peso Pluma, the first regional Mexican artists to perform on MTV, like Maluma, Bad Bunny, like all of these things. And I think it's amazing. But at the same time, I'm like, are we being fetishized again? Because remember, there was this Latin explosion and it was Ricky Martin, Jennifer Lopez, Shakira was still part of that. Like she's freaking a mainstay. But and I love that Shakira got the Video Vanguard Award, I think is amazing, is so well-deserved. My fear is that we're being fetishized. And, you know, I just, this is who we are every day, right? Like we live our Latinidad every single day, not something we can take off and put back on. I guess some people try to, it's not something that I know we want to do, right? We embrace our Latinidad every day, but I don't know. Have you thought about that at all? How do you feel about that? Like, am I the only, I mean, you guys, if you guys feel a certain way, I want to know. Cause I, just because I've seen this cycle before and then within a couple of cycles, then it's like, Oh, where did all these people go? They didn't go anywhere, but mm-hmm. the focus has shift. Is that, I don't know. Am I crazy thinking yeah. that? No, I definitely think so. I was actually talking to a friend about this and I wanted to talk to you about, um, I know we're going to talk about Peso Pluma, which I feel like is kind of in this topic as well. But, you know, last episode we talked about Bad Bunny and Kendall Jenner and just feeling weird about, yeah, (laughs) 
Kendall Jenner. And so it's it's like everybody, you know, I keep seeing different like Latino type of Instagram and meme pages keep talking about them and talking about them. And I feel like a lot of times the reason they do it is for the engagement in the comments because they know people are going to jump in and be like, please stop talking about it. Stop like airing this like weird fake relationship. But I think that that's kind of what it is. Like, you know, at the end of the day, though, I'm like Bad Bunny. I, I think Bad Bunny is just using her to go more mainstream, even though I don't think he necessarily needed her, but I don't know. So the conversation I had with my friend the other day, I'm going to give her a shout out. Um, Carolina Moreno, she used to be um, like a journalist for HuffPost Latino. She's transitioned onto the marketing side, working for some really cool companies. And she was asked to do a talk and she's like, oh, what do I talk about? And we were like brainstorming. And I believe the title of her talk is going to be something like, you know, Latinos from crossover to takeover and like how we've kind of been taking over like culture, which is really cool. And talking about all of these things. And like, I started watching Bit, Betty, uh, Ugly Betty. I keep wanting to say Betty La Fea, Ugly Betty with America Ferreira. I was like watching, I don't think I ever watched in full detail. Oh, I'm making, I'm going to make Antonio watch it with me. Cause I just did watch it like last year, I think, or during the pandemic, I watched it again, but I will, I've been like having that thing, but I want him to watch it with me. Yeah. It's just fun. Like Owen has watched it with me and we're just like, just to like, put something on quick that you don't have to like invest in or be stressed about because it's so dumb and like so chaotic. And that's what Telenovela is. But you just see the change in the culture where it's like, ew, she looks like this. And the way they call this girl fat on this show <laughs> so many oh times, you're like, she's like normal. Like they're just always like, you're fat, you're Mexican, whatever. And then the whole family is supposed to be Mexican. Anyway, anyway. Wait, wait, so wait. Speaking of that, I, I want you to go back to it. But speaking of that really quick, like I was just watching this video of Heidi Klum and her saying that she couldn't get runway because they kept telling her she was too big. Like she's like, none of the clothes ever fit me. She goes, and I was thin. And I'm glad she said this. She goes, I was thin, but these girls were just way thinner. Wow. Yeah. So I wonder what that was. I don't know. She was probably not that big. I mean, she, I mean, she probably wasn't that big, but she had boobs too, you know? Right. She does have boobs and hips. Even for being thin, she has boobs and hips. So right. the fact that like- I mean, she looks just, like an Amazon woman. Yes. And, but just because she's fashion and obviously Ugly Betty is set in a fashion magazine, that's why I put the two together. Right. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like so many beautiful people on that show, but anyway, so- I definitely think you're right. And it's crazy to see how things have changed um, culturally. It's interesting. I mean, I feel like on this note, I want to talk about Peso Pluma because I started taking a break from Bad Bunny and a lot of reggaeton and I've been listening to his music like crazy, but I was never really familiar with regional Mexican music. I know he's doing like a blend of like urban and reggaeton. And they got narco music, they call it. yeah. So, narco corridos. Mm -hmm. So, do you know anything about regional Mexican music or? A little, I mean, a little bit. I mean, uh, just growing up, we would listen to like some banda, like not super, you know, we would listen to like banda. We would listen to, there wasn't reggaeton when I grew up, like not until I graduated high school did reggaeton really start getting popular over here. And I remember the first time my mom heard one of the songs, she was like, because 
I'm actually, now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, I'm kind of surprised that they played that song because I guess they just didn't know what the hell, like when they're saying, mover la colita. My mom was like, oh my gosh. And when you think about it, like, that's not, that's a dirty song. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't say move your nalgas, right? I feel like that's different. They're saying like, move your booty hole. That's what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> At least you're a Mexican. Okay. I don't know if it translates differently <laughs> somewhere else. Does it like, okay, you're Dominican. Would that translate differently? So what's the word? Colita. Colita. Yeah. I don't think we use colitas. Like culo. For- culo is like butthole, right? Culo is ass. Yeah. But like you could, if you, that's like the dirty word of it. Like you don't. Like we, if we said culo, oh my gosh, we would get, wow. you say nalgas, you're okay. Right. You say culo. Yeah. I don't know. Like I know that, um, colita, colita. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if we, I haven't really, I don't think that really is the same impact for Dominicans. Yeah. I mean, I mean, now that I grow, I'm like, oh, it's probably just like shake your little booty. But then even like if they, like I said, my mom was just like, and even my friends, my friends were like, oh my gosh, I can't, like all of us were like, oh my gosh, they're saying this. And my friend's parents, they would hear it and they're, but again, I don't, like, obviously it's just a different, like I know different words. Yeah. They have different, different meanings and everything. But so, yeah, it was a little bit, but not fully, fully like not fully into those in that type of music. Yeah. I mean, I've through him, I feel like I've heard this regional Mexican music, which has been really cool. And actually, and I did start listening to him and I really do like, Oh my God. And actually, like I said, I listen to his playlist on Spotify all the time now. Owen too. He knows like words. He's, he's having a great time. I play the music videos. The music videos are really fun. So some of my favorite songs, Becky G has a song with him called Chanel, which is really cute. I like his song Tulum. And then he has another song called Ella Baila Sola. Have you heard that one? No, I haven't heard that one. I've heard the one with Becky so, G. And, well, maybe really I have, good. and I just don't know. Because I've just, like I said, kind of had just a couple of songs. But the whole thing is, is because of the music that he's been playing, uh, the Narcos in Tijuana basically told him, don't come or you're, we're going to unalive you. That's basically what yeah. happened. And this happened to another regional Mexican artist several years ago, and I forgot what his name is, but that he, he continued to play. And then the next day he was unalived. So it's it's really scary to like think of, of that. He was supposed to play at the Estado Caliente in Baja in Tijuana here, like mm-hmm. very close to where I'm at. They said in the goal, our goal is to protect the fans and the team for the safety of everyone involved. We will cancel our show in Tijuana. Thank you so much to all our fans for understanding. We love you sincerely. And that came from La WP, which is the label. I think this is interesting because I was kind of looking it up because I'm like, why would they? So I guess it's because, like you said, he kind of has this like tries to do like, you know, like basically narco corridos is like 
gangster rap. Yeah, it's like it touches on narco-related themes. Yeah, drugs and guns and this and that. And it's like there's people that rap about that stuff who have no involvement in whatsoever. So they're kind of like fake gangsters. So I'm guessing it seems like that's why these people are annoyed with him because they're like, you're just talking, (laughs) you're just like trying to rap about this and all these things and you don't know, you're not involved. (laughs) So they're just like, don't come over here. We're going to mess with you. Like, so I'm guessing that's what it is, but I, but it is a, I don't know. It's just sad because you're like, you would hope that like now he's blowing up here in the U S you would hope that he can kind of go back and everywhere in Mexico and, and play and have people come in some more. He's actually going to be in LA in mid October. I was considering looking into tickets. Ooh, well, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. I'll have to check it out. I like, okay. So we have a couple of different things we can talk about. Cause wait, hold on. Wait, wait, before we go on, uh-huh. this is another big first that we should say too. So that song that I mentioned, Ella Baila Sola that he's on, he is on it with a regional Mexican group called Eslabon Armado. And they just performed on GMA like last week on the 15th for his Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm trying this. I'm trying this. They just. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Um, we need, we need like to some. add like a cheers. <laughs> yeah. We need to add some more. So I, I saw these. I was like, oh, I went like I could have put it on a di- different things. I kept forgetting. But I was like, oh, this is good. Let's clap for that. <laughs> I love it. So they were the first regional Mexican music group to perform on GMA. Like, that's crazy. I that's had seen awesome. it. I mean, I, mean, I like I, I they were performing that song. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the song. I only heard about that song through him because Peso Pluma's on it. And I've been listening to his playlist. So anyway, I just wanted to add that because I thought that was so cool. And I'm like, wow, how amazing that he's like helping this regional Mexican music go popular. And so he's another one, but again, like another like, you know, white um, Latino guy. So um, that's the thing that, uh, you know, we always are are, um, thinking about in terms of like things getting popular and who's making them popular. But I think it's like pretty amazing. And I've been so excited to like learn more about it. Yeah, no, totally. And I, you know, I do want to listen to more and I really want so. Okay, so now we have a couple of things. I'm going to let you decide. We have, uh, well, this one we can say very fi- very quickly. Mark Anthony, he received a star f- on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I think it was, it should have come a long time ago. Whatever you think, like as far as the contributions that he's made to music, to salsa, um, to Latin pop, to just, pop, you know, and, and he's crossed over and all of that, I think it's well-deserved in regards to that, you know? So good for Mark Anthony. Yes, a win for us. Huh? Yes. So Gloria Calderon-Kellett and Chris Gautier, they are working with McDonald's initiative Spotlight Dorado, and it's empowering, inspiring Latino and Hispanic voices in film. And let me just... So as part of Spotlight Dorado, the McDonald's short film contest for Latino filmmakers, Calderon Kellett paired up with emerging filmmaker Chris Gauthier, whose submission Chimera explores themes of queer life and Afro-Latinidad through a sci-fi lens. 
Um, and you can actually go, we'll put in the People in Espanol article that's on here. But really, this is just a continuation of things that we've talked about, right? Latinos are almost 20% of the United States, but we're 1% of TV directors. We're 3% of film directors. Um, we are 20% of the population, but we over-index in entertainment purchase. We buy 25% of like movie tickets. So there's mm-hmm. obviously a lot of representation that we're lacking um, because we're one person, like we're one to three percent of of roles and directors and behind the scenes. So I'm kind of conflicted because this is humongous. Gloria says this is humongous, and these aren't sanit. I thought these were going to be sanitized scripts. They're not. My, I think it's amazing, but how is like this is con- like I feel like the constant push and pull that I have. Right. Like I always try and say, I don't want to support like I'm not somebody who eats McDonald's a lot. I do eat McDonald's from time to time, but I'm not somebody who really eats McDonald's very much. I've turned down several opportunities to have McDonald's as an ad on the podcast because diabetes runs very high, not only in my family, but in the Latino community, you know, and I they're like, oh, we're the center of community. And I'm like, but they shouldn't be the center of community. Right. Like the output of food is not good for us. Right. Not to say that I don't eat other things, but in particular, I just I'm, I'm trying to cut back on all of these things. And I just didn't feel like it aligns with my values. But then they do something amazing like this. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. what do I do? Like, I think it's so awesome that they're doing this. I think it's amazing that they're doing this. They're putting their brand. They're putting their money. What do you do? Like, honestly, I, I like, it's one of those things where you're, you're just like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And mi gente, if you guys have like feedback, I want to hear like what you guys think. But Ellie, what do you think? Like wh- when it comes to a situation like that? I think for me, they should be doing that. Just like you said, there's so many low income communities where they don't have access to freaking whole foods. They don't have access to the freshest food and vegetables things are extremely expensive or it takes them a long time to get. They can't just, you know, like if I want something, I can Instacart it, right? Like not everybody has these abilities. So therefore that's kind of their only option. Like we're very lucky that we don't have to eat that if we want to like feed young children, you know, feed a young family or whatever. Right. So like you said, if it doesn't align with your values, I think it makes sense. Like they should not be something like that. Shouldn't be a sponsor of yours. You don't want to align with it. You don't want to continue promoting it. However, I think, knowing the damage that they do do to our communities, I would love for them to do things like this. Like, yes, give back all of the money that we're making you. Just like you said, like if we are, I wonder what the percentage of is of people that are buying it that are like Latino that are buying McDonald's, you know? So good. Let them put, pour that money back into our community, into our storytelling. Like that doesn't mean that we have to take them as a sponsor or maybe necessarily go like buy and support them because like we have the choice that we don't have to, but there's other people, like I said, who can't really make a choice. So, yeah. So I feel like, listen, great. Now I get to hear about whoever these storytellers are. Gloria, hopefully, you know, she's in the industry. She could support these people. And then now maybe like they will eventually in five years time have a movie in a theater, hopefully. And then we can go support that. So that's how I feel. I know yeah. it's a uh, long <laughs> How no, but here's the thing. How amazing would it be if there was like a McDonald's slash convenience store? Like 
a little fruit stand, fruit and vegetable stand, right? Mm-hmm. Like how awesome would it be to teach people like, hey, I mean, I know they're a corporation. This probably never happened, right? But if you're going to be in a food, somebody said it's not a food desert. They're like, it's not a food desert because a desert doesn't choose to be a desert. It was- interesting. What does she call it? Yeah. She's like, I would don't call it a food desert because a desert doesn't choose to be a desert. A desert is. But when you're choosing like for what we would consider a food desert, that's a choice made by uh, corporations. That's a choice made by, you know, not a choice made by the people within the community, but that is a choice made by the corporations in those areas. And I have to remember what she said, like what she called it. Yeah. But the whole thing is, is like, wouldn't it be amazing to see, okay, there's a McDonald's, but then you have a vegetable and fruit, like a fresh food stand right next to it. Right. Saying like, look, this is how, if you want McDonald's, that's great, but let's also incorporate some fresher fruits into your things. Like I said, I know they're a corporation. They would never do that. But if that happens, that was my idea. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yes, girl. Um, Yeah, I agree. I mean, that would be cool. There's other things they could do. Maybe they could like donate money to local vendors that sell agua frescas and fresh fruits or do like a small business grant for people like that or some, I don't know, something. There's always, there's always something that they could do, but I am glad to see that that's happening with cultivating storytellers. I wonder how that does actually work with their brand. Like, why do you guys care about Latino stories specifically, I guess? I Well, I, they have, I believe they have like a Black storytellers one as well. I think they have a few different ones. We'll have to look that up. But Ellie, I want, what's, what's happened with you this month? What's going on with you? We talked all the chisme about, I talked about my chisme. We talked about all the celebrity chisme, but we have not talked about mm-hmm. your chisme. What's going on with you, girl? Yeah, I've had a few things. My school, so my college is Brute College. It's a city school in New York. So we have um, CUNY schools is what it's called, City Schools of New York. These are basically like the local New York City borough schools, much more affordable to get into. Um, I graduated from a school called Baruch College, which was actually like really, really high um, population of black and brown people was a commuter school when I went there. It's kind of known for like business and accounting. Anyway, all that to say is that a few years back pre-pandemic, I was going to like a ton of these Latino events, hosting different events for the community that I started called the Latinx Collective. And I realized that schools like NYU were reaching out to me like, oh, do you want to be on our panel? Because we're doing this like Latino alumni group or this like Latino like student club for the college and we're having this event, um, Columbia University, like all these places. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, Yale. And I'm like, hold up. I went to Baruch, one of the most diverse schools. Why don't we have a Latino like alumni group? (laughs) So I reached out to them. This was back in, I think it was 2016, 2017. And I helped to start our um, alumni chapter there for Latinos. And so we actually just had a panel about entrepreneurship. I know you would appreciate this. Now you're on this path. Um, and it was really cool. Like we were just talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we were talking about. So that was amazing. That was a few days ago. 
And it was really cool. It was actually, I think, Monday, Tuesday or something. And so um, it was awesome. Like, I know why couldn't have been like this upcoming Tuesday. So you could have stayed in New York, come to the event. It was virtual, but if I could have come, I might, I might be in New York. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, that's what I did. And it was, it was just like really fun. Like got a really positive reaction from the students and the other alumni. And they had a lot of questions about having a business and, you know, we were giving advice. Like it was really cool. And actually, um, Columbia university reached out to me and they want to do an event in New York too. So I'm kind of figuring out, is that going to be virtual? Is that going to be in person? I don't really have plans to be back in New York, but I might do that. So we'll see. And what else? I just did hosted a book club for this um, book called The Altar Within with this um, amazing like Latina indigenous, she calls herself like a bruja healer author. And it was all about self-care and rest and self-worship and self-discovery. So that was like just really interesting. And I have to send you some of the... um, I'd say like pictures of the book and send it to you because she has a bunch of prompts. And I feel like one of the things that she said that really resonated me with her, I'm at, and I know you're at this interesting path of your journey, having become an entrepreneur now is just like, sometimes the fastest route to healing is rest. And so I'm on a little bit of a work break right now, just because seven years of being a business owner, like I'm just like tired. I need a little bit of like space and time And yeah, I was just like, okay, I could take a nap in the middle of the day. It's fine. (laughs) But when you are self-employed, it's like, you're just so used to the hustle. And I know you've been hustling even before you worked for yourself. So that hustle, that hustle, that hustle, it's like, you never really have a moment to chill. I know. Antonio reminds me. He reminds me to like, babe, it's okay. Everything you do is online. The internet is there 24 seven. It's hard. I mean, it's hard. I, Right now, like today, I was struggling because we're we're virtually a one income family right now and one income household, and I'm not used to that. I'm used to my income being the one only income, right? And uh, you know, I am very much aware that this year is a transitional year. This year is a proof of concept year. All of these things, but you know, I have to be very transparent to everybody. I'm not making money on these events. I think I said that last time. I'm not making money on these events. I'm losing money. I'm hoping to just be able to break even. And that's why please come to these events. If they're near you, please, please come. But, you know, we just replaced the battery in my car and then something else. So it's one of those things where you're like, oh my gosh, of course I have credit cards that I can use if something needs, but I hate relying on the credit cards. And it's been a little bit more lately out of necessity and something big happens. And now we have a wedding that we need to plan. And now, you know, it's just like all of these things kind of come out you so fast and these unexpected things and this and that, that I, yeah, today I full, I, I didn't have a full out breakdown, but I did have like where I was just like, I, we came back and I'm like sitting on the couch with my hand in my heads and, and Antonio's like, babe, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I just was like, I can't. He's like, don't take it out on me. And I said, I don't want to take it out on you. I said, mm-hmm. I just need to not think right now. Because he kept asking me questions. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know. I can't think right now. Like, this is too much. For me. It was honestly just too much for me at that moment. And, and it wasn't because of him. It was because of the situation. And I couldn't think. 
Welcome to entrepreneurship. <laughs> You're like, in summary. Yeah, in summary, that's the entrepreneurial life. And I would be freaking out even more if I didn't have Antonio, but I don't want to take it out on him, right? Because I know it has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with me, but that's why I said it. I'm like, I know it has nothing to do with you. I just can't right now. I need to like decompress because it was just very overwhelming of all of these things because literally all I kept thinking was, oh my gosh, am I a loser because I'm not bringing in money? Am I like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to taking care of, like you have all of these, these thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, no, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I have to remind myself, like, this is the year of, you know, proof of concept. This is the year of this, this is the year of that. And exploration, experimentation. Yeah. But it's hard sometimes. It's hard. And if you guys are going through that, like, seriously, you're not alone because I know people think, oh, you're doing this, you're doing this. Oh my gosh, you're so successful. And I'm like, you have no times I cry during the week or I want to cry during the week because I just feel like what I'm doing is just not enough. Yeah. But thankfully I have a friend like friends like you and I have other friends who are entrepreneurs who are just like, I've been there, I've done it. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like push through and it's, but it is hard, but it, it, it makes it easier knowing that other people are going through that or they have gone through that and they've come out the other side, bigger, better, faster, stronger. Yes. I am definitely excited for you on this journey. You know, like you said, proof of concept. Um, the other thing I would say is, I mean, I kind of feel like proof of concept is like every year, <laughs> which sounds crazy, but things change so fast in our industry, you know, with podcasting, with events, like there's always something new, there's always something happening in the world, people's expectations. And so that's kind of part of the fun part is always having to change, but it's exhausting. And so I feel like people, if you have your nine to five, don't think that this is all so glorious and amazing to be self-employed. Like it's a lot of work and just constantly juggling everything. Oh yeah. I'm even looking for freelance stuff right now. I'm like, I need to make some extra money. And I know how much I need to clear. Like, do I need to make as much money as I was making freelance right now? No, but I do know how much I do need to make. You know, how much I need to clear. Let's say that, not make, (laughs) how much I need to clear so I can feel comfortable and feel like I'm contributing. So, yay. Well, that's all kinds of cheese, man. Exactly. You got to keep everyone posted on your journey. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking me what I'm up to. It's been fun. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. It's like, this is like fun, you know, so many cool events. Well, next us. year, I mean, next month we'll be able to do this live, hopefully. I think we'll be able to do it live together. I'm actually getting uh, tomorrow, I have a camcorder coming with a tripod because I want to be able to like film when your I'm event. doing a what like something live oh, cool. with somebody, but also I'm going to take that so I can film the live events, just have and on a tripod, because right now there's, I have no way to just fully capture that. So this way we're going to be able to, and then I can also take it to like when we do it, or if I do a one-on-one with anybody else in person, I'm still able to capture that video now that we're on YouTube. Subscribe. Yeah. Slowly but surely (laughs) trying to get those videos on there. Yes. I love it. That's exciting. I love watching people talk on YouTube. I don't know if other people here do. You know what? I've been hearing that a lot of people say, you know what? I like listening to YouTube. Even Antonio, there's been a couple of times where I've like, I'll walk into the bedroom and he's watching me on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) 
cute. He's like, gotta get these views up. Yeah. yeah. So, mi gente, we're on YouTube now. It's not just the audio. We're on YouTube. Um, just look for the Wine and Cheese Mit podcast. And Absolutely. Thank you so much for just continuing to support, listening to us. You know, Ellie, I've been getting people saying like they really like have been looking forward to this because they're, you know, sometimes the interviews can get intense. I'm not going to lie. Like sometimes they're very lighthearted. Sometimes, you know, we can talk about some deep things and everything, just how it goes. But I've had a couple of friends saying, oh, I was just thinking, oh, I, I wanted something a little bit more lighthearted. And now you're doing this cheese man at the end of the month. And I love it. Yay. We love it. Keep telling Jessica what you guys like, what you guys want to hear. What other cheese man, what cheese man you want to hear more of, less of. And we'll see what we can do. I'm going to visit you in San Diego. Yes. Well, you have no choice next year yes. because you're because you're coming to the wedding. So, yes. Yes. That's, well, also, I'm coming to your event. So, yes. So, I'll see you in December. So, mark your calendars if you're in Southern California. Our last event for the year from 2023 because we are going to have 2024 events, but we're not going to have anything in the first quarter because I'll be getting married. Oh my gosh, that sounds so weird still. <laughs> um, December 2nd, we're going to be having the Wine and Cheese Made Live in San Diego. And again, September 30th, the Wine and Cheese Made Live in New York. So come out to G Gallery in Chinatown if you're in New York. And then come out. I'm still trying to figure out what venue I want to choose for the event in December. But until next time, mi gente. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese Med Podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese Med on our website, thewineandcheesemedpodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Cheesemate on Instagram and at The Wine and Cheesemate Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheesemate, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.